0: all right uh all right's this on way okay, you got it on it's good i um everybody awake this morning <laughs> you didn't even hardly answer that uh, I know time change kind of messes up everybody messes up uh whole schedule. I know I, last night I turned my clock ahead way early in the evening uh, and went to bed at eight fifteen and so uh I really did. I, I just said, okay, I'm shutting it down because my clock says it's nine fifteen, even though it's really eight fifteen, I'm going to bed and and uh, it uh you know, I don't know why we even still do that time change. I'm not sure why we why we do all that. We ought to find one of them and just stay there and, and, and make it happen. But but hopefully we'll we'll survive today and everybody will get adjusted. It's amazing how much one hour can affect you. If you, you know, it's it's incredible, but if you travel much and you go across the United States and, you know, two or three hours can really mess you up, go to Africa and you got five or six hours different, and then your whole time and life changes. But hopefully we'll be able to, to survive the day. Amen? So smile, everybody. Okay, it's going to get better. You'll get used to it. Thank you for being here today. Uh You know, we... I keep looking around and I'm thinking, man, there's some people that are missing. But you know, the truth is, we've got a lot more going. We got a lot more people out for nurseries now than we than we used to. We got a lot more going on in the junior church and and classes and things over there than we did. And so we've got quite a few people that are out working right now and doing some different things. And so uh, just continue to pray and don't get discouraged. The uh, uh, I'm going to just jump into this. Uh, you know, you say Brother Hooker, you don't always have the scripture read right before you preach. No, I don't. Uh, I, I decided to today because this one had a whole lot of hard words in it. And uh, and I just figured if somebody was going to make a fool of themselves, that uh, it wasn't going to be me. And so, I uh, you say, you're going to read it again? No, no. Uh, truth is, I felt sorry for him because I could pronounce every one of these words in my mind. And so, you can pronounce them in your brain, but to, but when it comes to your tongue, doesn't do what your brain is saying. So, oh yeah, that's easy. And then you and uh, and so uh, uh, God bless him. But I enjoyed it. Ah, uh, so in uh, late 1978, very late, somewhere. Joe Beth and I were trying to figure it out. Uh, somewhere, probably in late November, December, something like that. Uh, we happened upon, Joe Beth happened upon a church out in Collierville, Tennessee called Trinity Baptist Church, and we uh, entered that door there for the first time, and, and that was about uh, as, uh, a little over 38 years ago. Four years later, short four years uh, later, and I'm not sure it was even completely four years, but uh, four years later, we left to go to Bible college. There were those who doubted whether it would stick, so to speak. That's kind of the words that we would hear, you know, that you'll get over it. Um, you know, this thing runs its course, this thing called the church and Christianity and religion. There was those that doubted whether the, this Christian life would last. But I'm just here to testify nearly 40 years later, my desire to finish my course for God is greater today than it was at the beginning. When you begin a life for Christ, a life of ministry, a life of Christian marriage, it's a lot of work. Did Anybody know that? It, it's just a lot of work. And I want to make this statement. I want you to get it, and we're going to get into our text, but it, it's not difficult or complicated, but it is hard. You say it's not difficult or... No, it's really not. Uh, it, it's a very simplistic thing. You know, Nehemiah, when he went back to build the wall, it was really not a very difficult thing to, you know, complicated thing to build the wall. All it is is a bunch of, of rocks and blocks and, 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 you know, whatever mortar that they used. And it, once, uh, you know, it really was not a very complicated thing for them to do, but it was a lot of hard work. Nehemiah was the builder of the wall of Jerusalem. He led people back from captivity to build a new life. And if you don't know the story, you ought to read through it. It's a pretty amazing thing. I mean, uh, sometimes you, you make a study, and, and, uh, and I, again, don't have time to go through it, but, but when you're talking about the wall all the way around Jerusalem, we're talking about a massive structure for a great distance that's going to encircle the city of Jerusalem. And, and uh, they, you know, some say that, you know, this wall maybe was as wide at top where two chariots could pass on top of the wall, and so... But he organized them. He directed them. He worked diligently, and then, and finally, in Nehemiah chapter six, verse fifteen, the wall is finished. It says it gets to this point where they go in, and and, and what's incredibly amazing is he gets these people organized that they jump in and they start doing the work. Fifty-two days, it's completed. All the rubbish it's it described, that's the term that's used in Nehemiah, all the rubbish, the, the, the previous wall that is crumbled and all the junk and all the stuff, it has to be cleared away and then the wall rebuilt and, and all the way around this city, this wall has to be real, rebuilt, but yet he organizes everybody and he gets it built in 52 days. Now, truthfully, that's 52 days of days and nights i mean they're going they're going nonstop day and night because it's vital that they they get this wall built and they these are people that are coming back they're coming back to a place where the walls have been destroyed and they're rebuilding it there's so much in here but but here's who I'm preaching to this morning and and uh, hopefully you know there'll be principles for everybody, but you know we've seen uh, several young couples coming into our, our, our church and, and young adults. We have these young couples and families in the room today who are just as we were 40 years ago. That's, what, that's where you are right now. You're where we were 40 years ago. I didn't go to Bible college until I was 27. And, uh, and we, we're we in church. And, and and be honest with you, we're walking in with crumbled walls. We really are, we, and we just admit it. We're walking in, and, and, and we don't even know how to build the walls. We came into church 40 years ago. We have young men and young women who have stepped out And we have young men who have stepped out to lead their families and to to build a wall of protection around them. We have young women who have come with a heart to build alongside their husbands. We we have young people and single people who have come and said, I want to do something with my life and with my family, and I want to make a difference. I'm tired of the crumbled walls. I want to build walls. It's hard work, though. It's hard work to be to build or rebuild a life. It's hard work to build or rebuild a marriage. It's hard work to build or rebuild a family. It's all very, very hard work, just like it was hard work for all of those people to go build that wall. It's not difficult. For the method, the plans are simple, and they're available. But the day and night work it takes is sometimes hard. And the truth is, we have the plans. And they're very simplistic. You know, God doesn't make any of this difficult. He makes it very simple. I mean, he's very direct in how to do it. It's a hard change. It's hard because just as life, the life in the life of Nehemiah, the enemy is always stirred up against you. And I tried to warn every young person that comes in there, and I call them young, anything below 50 is young. And so... uh, I call them young, but they come walking in the door, and I warn them: "You're trying to make, you're trying to rebuild something now. Guess what? The enemy's coming. He's going to come, and just like in, the, in read through the story, just like in the life of Nehemiah, there's going to be battles, there's going to be threats, there's going to be attacks, and it's different for us today, uh, in a sense. But but it's still the the battle is going to come, and the enemy's going to come." And just like Nehemiah, it's hard because the rubbish, the debris that is present from, you, you know, they had to take a lot of their time just clearing away everything before they even got started. Do you know that, that there's a lot, and I spent, I've told people this, I had to spend a lot of years clearing out rubbish, faulty thinking, rubbish that had been just planted into my brain. I had to I had to clear out rubbish about how to treat my wife that had been implanted in my mind. I had to clear out rubbish about uh, uh, how to rear children uh, that had been implanted into my mind. I had to. Cl- There's a lot of rubbish that has to be cleared out. You know, with Nehemiah, there was so much rubbish that had to be cleared out, that they got to a point at one point, one of the leaders said, it's too much, we're too weary, we can't do it. And let me just warn you, you're going to get to that point where you feel like, hey, it's too much. Let me just tell you, let me beg you, it's never too much. Because God is greater and he will strengthen you. I just hate point. Of view. Randy, it's gonna seem like too much when you're waiting and waiting and waiting for Lauren to go ahead and have that baby, and she just won't cooperate, and you're just not getting any rest. I, I gotta say that probably I'll get him in trouble, but I talked to him today, and I said that baby ain't come yet. He said, "He said, man, he said, I. It's not so much I want the baby; I want Lauren back." <laughs> Somebody stole her, but listen to me. You've stepped out willingly, and here's what I want. I want to praise you. You've stepped out willingly to do the hard thing, and you're trying to do it for God. You have continued to work, uh, working to clear away the debris left over from the previous wall that was built. You've committed to coming day and night. And this is what a lot of you have committed to. And, and, I, and I, it just, uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I've been around a long time. And I've seen people that will that, come to church and make a sort of commitment. But I've seen quite a few young couples and young people that have committed to come. And, and it can, you're coming kind of day and night. Like Nehemiah's people, they committed to do the work. And they worked day and night for 52 days. And you know what you've done? You've committed to come Sunday morning, Sunday night night, Wednesday night, I've been incredibly blessed and, and impressed that you've committed to say, I want all I can get because this rubbish is, is a lot and i got to clear it out. This is a big change. This is different. To some extent, it's hard to commit to or stick with. And understand that. It's a constant battle. I've given this illustration before, but I kind of like sports. I don't like watching it, I like playing it. I really, I get very frustrated watching it because people never are as good as I would play it. So, <laughs> and so I get frustrated watching the game, but, but when I first got into church, of course, I was with the police department, and immediately, uh, being out there and being in the South, softball leagues came almost, I mean, yeah, that spring, it started almost immediately, the softball leagues, and they knew that I kind of liked it, and it didn't take but just a game or two, and I became, you know, the captain, the leader of the team, and I'm, you know, the rover on the team, and and, and, and man, I, everything's going, going so good, you know, but, but here's the problem. You know when we play? Wednesday night. Wednesday night is when we're going to play. Now, there's all kinds of other nights you could play, but no, we're going to play Wednesday night. And every and you don't play a week or six weeks, you're going to play from the you know, I don't know mid- what it was, probably March all the way until you know October. We're going to play softball. We're going to be out there and 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 every Wednesday night. And can I tell you uh, that was just the old devil reaching down to something that was very important to me, uh, and he just. Throwing that carrot out there to me. And it kept me away from church. My wife is going to church on Wednesday night instead of watching me play softball. And finally, one Wednesday night, in the middle of the game, I ran off the field, jumped in my car, and took off because finally God Mm -hmm. tore me up so much that I had to go. And I quit playing softball on Wednesday night. Truth is, I put... Quit playing softball and never played it again until I took over the military ministry and, and pretty much never had, for 30 years, didn't play anything unless it was a tool to win somebody to Jesus Christ. There's another step, though. You see, they did not come to build a wall. Here's what the misconception we get in our minds that everybody came back to build the wall. Because it's so much about Nehemiah came. He led these people. They built a wall in 52 days. and It's kind of like, okay, Nehemiah's over. Because they built the wall. They didn't come to build a wall. They came to build a life. You see, building the wall was the first step. And you know what? Having the guts and the determination and the energy and, and the drive to come to church... That was the first step. And to come regularly and come Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday, that was, that was the first step. That was physically saying, I don't know how to build. Watch this now. And I'm telling you where we were. So I'm not pointing to you. I'm saying this is where we were. We don't know how to build a wall. We didn't know, don't even know what's rubbish needs to be cleared out. We don't know what needs to be thrown away and what needs to be kept. We don't know anything, but you know what we'll do? We'll get dressed for work, and we'll come in, and we'll be there, and we'll do it. You know when I first started doing? I started cutting grass at the church. You say, how much Bible did you? I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I knew I needed to get involved. I knew I needed to do something. I knew I needed something because my life was a wall torn down. My marriage was a wall torn down. My everything was a wall. I needed it rebuilt and all I knew to do was to come and, and get involved. Some have been in church a lifetime and and still work hard uh, and have hard decisions and constantly trying to rebuild more walls than get get torn down. You know what they're doing? They they still come and they've never gone into the next phase that I'm about to tell you about. They come and then they're just working so hard. You know what they're doing? They're, They're trying to rebuild the wall, but they're using crumbled pieces and they've never weeded out of their mind and they've never cleaned out the debris. And they never started changing their thinking. And so what they're doing is they're, 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 they're rebuilding their walls, but with the old junk. Somehow, come into church and we'll be better. We'll, we'll, man, we'll, every Sunday we'll kind of stack up some pieces and we'll be okay. No, that's not it. You see, they didn't come to build a wall. They came to build lives. Nehemiah 8.17, listen to this. It says, and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booze. That's places to dwell and sat under the booze. And for since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And watch this now. And they And there was very great gladness. But something happens between this passage we read, verses 1 through 9 and verse 17, where there's very great gladness. Can I tell you, the Scripture says there's no greater joy than to, know, to, to see that your children walk in truth and to know that your children walk in truth. Watch this. There is no greater joy than to know that. But, but your children don't walk in truth just because you, you try to stack up old pieces of rock. No, they, 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 they walk in truth because somewhere along the line, you said, i got to clear out this rubbish, and therefore, I won't transfer rubbish to my children. Amen. i got to clean out this rubbish so that I'll transfer to my children something else. And that's what happens in this passage, and I want to show it to you. Look back at our text, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. We're not going to read 1 through 9 because it has some of those words in it. And so, but in verse 1, it says, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Look what happens here now. They didn't come to build a wall. They, they, the wall is complete. They've come in now, and he says, now, wait a minute. Here's what's really important. Get the book of the law. Get the book of the law. Which the Lord had commanded Israel in verse two, and Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, all that could uh, could hear with understanding. Upon the first day of the seventh month, what he's saying is, is everybody that old enough to comprehend and understand what he's saying? They're listening now. They're watch it. They're listening to what he's saying. He's going to read the book of the law to them. We move from the hard to get great gladness. See, we come in, and honestly, it's not easy. Honestly, it's it's hard. We're still dealing with some hard issues. We're still dealing with some conflicts. We're still dealing with some garbage in our mind. We're still dealing with some issues in our relationship because of the garbage in our mind that has caused issues in our relationship. But we move from this hardness to great gladness when we move to the Word of God as our guide, our devotion, our map. Listen to me, folks. It's not enough to sit in a building. That's part of clearing. You know, you're coming in, and and, and that's nice, and you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. No, no. We've got to get to the Word of God. When we come to the point that we realize there must be a supreme absolute in our lives, and if it will be, so then we must listen intently to it. Watch this. It, it, we've got to come to the point that this is absolute. That's right. Amen. It is absolute truth. And when we come to that point, we say, okay... I believe it's absolute. Therefore, I must listen intently to it. Look at what verse 3 says. Look at verse 3. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, those that could understand, and the ears of all the people, listen to this, were attentive unto the book of the law. Oh, my goodness, what a blessing that would be as a preacher if the ears of the people were attentive. If the faces looked like they were. What any preacher would give to have a people where it could be said that they were all attentive unto the book of the law. This is a people that will make it. Watch this now. These people are about to find gladness. These people are bound to find great gladness. And you know where it begins? With attentiveness to the book. It's being read and they're all like, Wow. I'm listening. I got to hear it. You know why? Because they knew that the wall and the rubbish of the wall and all that had been torn down, that's just an example of what's been put in their mind for those years in Babylon. That's got to be cleaned out. All the people realize the importance of the Word of God. The walls are to protect the temple, and the temple houses the Word of God. There must be agreement with the Word of God in our hearts. And look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6. Look at verse 6. It says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And can I tell you, it's okay to lift up your hands. You know, you get excited when there's a touchdown and say, Woo! that's good you get excited when he knocks a home run they say my yeah my team and you get uh, listen to me we ought to get excited when God says it's true and they bowed their heads listen to this now and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground these people said, amen, amen. This was a verbal commitment. They agreed with the Word of God. Listen to this now. They agreed with the Word of God before they even heard or understood all of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm about to tell you something that's, that some of you are going to bristle really fast. and it, Because, again, it's because of what's been pumped into your head. But I'm about to make a statement. You see, if you believe the Bible is the Word of God. Anybody believe the Bible is the Word of God? If you believe the Bible is the Word of God, you can state, listen to this, you can state that you agree. You can say, amen, amen, even though you do not know all that it says. People say, how did you make it? Because they didn't think we would. This is your first place. There's got to be a point where you say, I believe it. Oh, you know all of it? Nope, don't have to. I want to. It'll be good for me to know it, but I don't have to know all of it to say it's the truth of the word of God. Then you notice there's not just a mental agreement, but a humble submission to it. Look at what it says. It says in that same verse, And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Somebody said to me, Why do we come to an altar and bow our knees? This, this is an example of it. It's the humility. It's the submission. It's where you're saying, God, I submit to you. God, I don't care who's watching. Do you understand? This is all the people there. They all feel on their faces before God in humility. You know what it was? Submission. You know what I'm telling you again? You, you can believe this and you can submit to it before you even fully know it. You say, how is that possible? You know, oh, i got to know what it says first. I don't, you read it the rest of your life. Read it every day for, for 10 hours. You'll never know all of it. Because it's the Word of God. It, it, it never is all. I believe you could take one verse and preach it for the rest of your life. You could teach it the rest of your life. You could read it just if you had that one verse, and it would be endless in what God could teach you through it. Listen to me. Foundational to Christianity is the Word of God, inspired and preserved for us. God inspired it. God preserved it. And let me just throw out something. If, if anything that's preserved is still inspired. Okay. Okay. You preserve an apple. You know what you got? You got an apple. Okay. And it's true whether you read it or not. Did you know that? It's still true. Through this faith and submission comes, watch this now, when you by faith believe it, and by faith say, I will submit to it. Here's what happens now. Now God says, when you hear it, when you read it, there'll be understanding. Verse 8 says, so they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. We've got preachers. That's what I'm trying to do right now, to cause there to be an understanding. But, but we're so blessed today. When Jesus left, he left us someone. And the Holy Spirit of God, this book is a spiritually written book and it's a spiritually understood book. And the Holy Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. You'll understand it. This leads us to where we should be today, the Word of God. It's not just information to know. It's not just something to understand so that you can present a good case. It's something that we need to listen to, we need to agree with, we need to submit to, and we need to understand. Why? So that the Word of God, watch this now, and this is bringing us down, this is all coming down to this point. What happened to them? And why is it so important that we listen to it, that we agree with it, that we submit to it, that we understand it? Why? So that the Word of God can convict us. Look at verse 9. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites, taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, Mourn not, nor weep, for all, the, watch this now, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why did they weep? Why would they weep when they hear the words of the law? You see, when you get to the point where you said, I believe it, I submit to it, God, I'm beginning to understand it. Oh, my. You know what you understand? You understand that God is right, and you've been wrong. You understand that God is right, and what's been fed into your brain has been wrong. You understand, let God be true, and every man a liar. You say, well, then can we, can we ever believe you, preacher, if every man's a liar? If I'm not saying what this book's saying, you can better believe that I'm lying. It's what this book says. This is a simple procedure, and I go back to my illustration, again, a simple procedure that Joe Beth and I followed. And I believe every other couple that's in this room right now that's been serving the Lord for decades, it's the same procedure they follow. Listen to me. We saw the need because our walls were broken down. Our walls had been destroyed. We actually began to realize that our lives were full of rubbish, the desire for everything, the desire to have, the desire to get nicer and bigger and better, the desire to make as much money as I possibly could, uh, I left one job. I left the police department because I, because I just felt, and I was miserable. And I wasn't miserable with a job, but there was, I just was miserable. And, and I thought, well, surely, you know what that is? The only reason that I'm miserable is because we don't make enough money you got to make more money because that's what everybody's after. And if we make more money, guess what? You get more things. You get more things and then you'll be happy. Watch this now. I don't care what you're after. Get it. It's not going to make you happy. You may have an experience. You may have, whoo, that's great. Wait a day or two till the bills come in. Wait till it gets scratched. You see, we saw the need because our walls were broken down. We wanted to rebuild the walls, and we began by coming to church. We we began to come regularly, actually as often as we could. Uh, This led us, though. this, This right here was just the working. We're clearing the rubbish. We're working. Watch this. This led us to the Word of God. We heard some. We read some, but mostly we listened to the Word of God being taught and preached. Amen. Say, why well, don't even get up and come to Sunday school? Because it's a great time to hear the Word of God taught. You say, why well, come Wednesday night? Because it's a great time to hear the Word of God taught. Then we decided we'd agree with all of it. And listen to me, this is, this is where it becomes crucial. We got all kinds of people that are coming into church and they're getting knowledge, and you know what they do? They sort out what they believe and what they don't believe sort out what they agree with and what they don't agree with. Sort out. It'll be to the point where good people, and and they'll say some things sometimes uh, that they believe in and they agree, and I'll think, how can you do this when you say you believe this book? Because it's an exact contradiction of what God says. He said the real issue is just coming to a point where you say, Even though, and at that point in our life, 38 years ago, I didn't even know the books of the Bible, much less have read through them. I used to joke when I went to Bible college, if they told me to turn to the book of Hezekiah, I would try to. Please laugh. Some of you make me nervous. There is no book of Hezekiah. But I didn't know that. I had no idea. Be honest with you, I didn't know so many times when they would say turn to stuff. I'd kind of flip through, I ain't finding it, so just kind of like fake it. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'm not even right book. I mispronounce names of the books of the Bibles. I mean, I'm still dealing with those Filipinos over here. I didn't know books, but you know what I decided? I'm in a mess, and God's not. So I'm going to just believe him. You say, well, you haven't read it yet. How can you know it's true? That's called faith, folks. I believe every word of it. I've read every word of it now many, many times. But I don't believe it anymore than I did then. I mean, faith comes by hearing. But I'll be honest with you, way back when, I just decided everything in here is true. It's even true when it's a lie. You didn't understand that one, did you? There's sometimes the old devil tells a lie in here God's true about the fact that he told a lie. We decided we'd submit to all of it, not just agree with it, we're going to submit to it. Now, nobody masters that, but when God slaps me down and when he convicts me, i got to say, God, i got to submit. We decided we'd submit to it even though we did not know all of it. God began to move more and more, and understanding of the Word of God came in more and more. And watch this now, that's when conviction came rolling in big time. That's when we went out as we were in church for just a few months, and we walked into a, a, a place to go dance in one more time, and we walked in, and the music was blaring, and I'll be honest with you, it was a song where every word of it almost was just, a, it, it was repetitious foul language, and people were gyrating, and moving, and I heard this music. We had been in church for, for a few months, and we'd been there so many times when we were students of Memphis State, Joe Beth and I had been in dance contest and won them, and um, And we've been doing all this stuff, and and we walked back in there, and we stood there, and and all the noise, and all the people, the same place we've been so many times before I got saved. But now somebody's inside of me, and I walked in, and it's like my chest was going to explode, and I heard the noise, and I heard people taking the Lord's name in vain, and I I saw all that was going on. And I looked at Jobeth, and I said, we don't belong here. She looked at me and she said, Rob, we got to get out of here with tears in our eyes. You know what that was? was conviction. Amen. Conviction comes to lead us to great gladness. You see, here's the problem. The devil's lied to us and said conviction is going to make us miserable. No, it won't. Conviction will bring us to great gladness. Amen. That's how it happened for us. We believed it. Didn't know it. I don't know it all now. Oh, my goodness. You know, what's, what's the joy of preaching? Let me just tell you one of the great joys of preaching is that every week of my life, God shows me something new. Now, there's nothing new under the sun, so it's not some new truth. He just shows it to me. He shows me the, 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 the truth of the Word of God in a new place. He shows me to in a new way. I call it, I, call it I, I go digging for hidden jewels. And no matter how long I dig in that hole, there's another one. And it just keeps coming up, and it just keeps coming. And I decided I'm going to believe every bit of this. I believe it. And watch this now. Watch this now. A lot of people say they believe it. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, I'm agreed agree with it. I'm going to agree with it. God, you're right, and I'm wrong. And you know what that brings me to? It brings me to submitting to it, saying, God, not only are you right and I'm wrong, but bless God, it's time for me to change. And as I do that, God keeps giving me greater understanding. And he says, the more you understand, the more I'll come with conviction. You see, the wall, building the wall didn't change these people. No, it was a work that they did. It was a work that they did to enable them to be able to be changed. Coming to church is not going to change you until you yield to and submit to Believe and agree and submit to the Word of God, to the truth that's preached. And when God brings you to that point where you say, I think God's telling me this is not something that should be in my life. Or he might be saying this is something that should be in your life. That's what he did with me that Wednesday night when I'm playing softball. He didn't say really stop playing softball. He said, you need to be in church. Softball is not wrong. We can go out, at, you know, when spring gets here, we'll go out at in that field out there, and we'll go out and play softball. Softball is not wrong. God didn't tell me what was wrong. He told me where I should be. And that's what he'll do. It's called conviction. It's exactly what happened to Nehemiah. And this is what changed the people. The Word of God and the conviction of the Word of God. What's God doing in your life? I'm going to keep beating this horse, but has God brought conviction into your life? You say, well, Hooker, should God bring conviction to my life? I mean, I've been in church for a long time. <laughs> Unless your name is Jesus... And mine's not, then God wants something changed. What is it? What is it? You might be at that spot where the you're trying to just you're just